Mr. Jones no. and me tell each other fairy tales and everybody will ask you. There's no way I'm not leaving this in the recording. That would have been me. No, no, no. It's listen to me and Mr. Jones and me <laughs> tell each other riddles too. And everybody hurts you, Mr. Jones. You're listening to The Dollop on the All Things Comedy Network. This is a bilingual American history podcast where each week I, Dave Anthony, read a story from American history to my friend. Mr. Jones and me. Oh, sorry. Uh, Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Now, um, on a personal note, have they opened Jose's school up again? Uh, they have, but he still wants to do uh, online. He likes to he likes to be home. He's, so, so he wants to do online classes still. So is that permanent? Like, is he making a permanent switch? Or and what I think happens? I'm going to homeschool him. What happens with an online cat class? When you take, uh, it's you know, I mean, it's you have the instructor and then the other cats, and um, you know, they just go through different things they have to learn about why you claw the walls what are what's inside the walls and why do you climb them mm-hmm. um why does wicker feel so good on your uh nails mm-hmm. uh your claws and um things like that how to lick your butt and how to still feel like you can if you can't get there perfect like if you're still like a centimeter short even though you've been losing weight for a couple years and you still can't fully get tongue to b-hole connection how to not feel shame about that. That's Jose's in that class. So there's no math? There's no math. And called it, quote, his jam pad. Jam pad? I'm the fucking hippo guy. Dave, okay. My name's Gary. <laughs> My name's Gary. Wait. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tiggly Podcast. Okay. This is like Adam. On a five-part coefficient. <laughs> My room is Now hit him with the puppy. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> no sleep tell hippo. No sleep tell hippo. Uh, action part. Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> Rhoda. Rhoda in the court. Now it's your time to just shout some time. Shout a time. I can do it. I just don't think it's going to be in Try. line with... Uh, I mean, I would. I just. <coughs> well, I mean, all right. Just let me know if I'm close or not. Uh, September sixth, eighteen ninety one. No, you're Year of our Lord, cheese and crackers. You're in the wrong century. February second, eight eight hundred eighty. <laughs> what just happened? Hey, uh, <clears throat> we're not going to start the podcast until you get the date right. <laughs> oh, shit. This is like, this is Rumpelstiltskinny. <laughs> uh, it's nine days later. Um, is it June? Was it, did I already say June 7th, 1971? You did. Did I say yeah. June 5th? No. Yeah. Is it? No. Oh. I told you to write these down. <sighs> I don't even have an exact date. 1920s! Ah, la, 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 la. A backlash against immigrants grew as often happens in the United States of America. USA. 
Uh, so people were calling for limitations on immigration, and U.S. farmers responded to calls for limiting immigration from Mexico by aggressively lobbying to allow it to continue. Okay, great. Was that Jose at the door? I don't, I think it might, if you heard it, then yes. Yeah, it sounded like a, it, a yeah. scratchy. I wasn't sure if I just have been conditioned to hear clawing when there's not. Was that it again? Yeah, it sounded like it. Fun thing we do, we do yeah. play this game where he claws at the door and ruins it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I play my role of sitting. Well, you, uh, you guys, everyone missed the fight, but they had a fight earlier. <laughs> it wasn't even, I mean, it was, it was an argument. For it was sure. an argument. Uh, I had to throw him out. Farmers said they would not be able to harvest their crops without Mexican labor. At the time, a lot of Mexicans came legally. Uh, Some did not, obviously. But when the Great Depression arrived, anger rose even more against the migrant workers, as you can imagine. Yes, Liz, we have have a proud history of uh, losing our shit. (laughs) At the wrong people. At the wrong people. (laughs) I've been I've been saying this forever, but any time the economy falls apart, it's always the fault of the people on the lowest rung. Yeah. Oh my God, Jesus! I got to handle his. Oh, here they go. The boys are fighting again. Okay. Did you let, is he back in? Don't worry about what's going on. Let's just stick to the show, okay? So he won. The cat won. Look, there's no winners. There's no losers. There's just let's just do the show like we just always do. Can you just <sighs> knock it off? Already? Who's the dominant in that house? Sometimes the dominant has to choose to be the submissive to keep the continuity of dominance. I just you not, wouldn't understand it. I just didn't know. I didn't know the power dynamic there. It's not that there's a power dynamic. Just relax. You wouldn't get it. Are you a switch? God damn it. He wants to go out. <laughs> <laughs> now he wants out. What an asshole. Oh, my God. You just got so bossed around. All right. Okay, come on. Let's <laughs> Mr. Jones and me. Back uh, so, uh, so the Mex- Mexicans become the scapegoat, and many return to Mexico anyway, since there's no work uh, during the Great Depression. Uh, a lot more are deported at the same time. And then came World War II. Millions of Americans have to go overseas to fight, and then right. suddenly there's a huge concern about Labor, a labor shortage. Everyone's like, who's going to do the work? All the dudes are going. Well, thank God that we kicked the Mexicans out for taking those jobs that we're now rejecting. Hey, remember a couple years ago we told y'all to fuck off? I would like you to come back now. America. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it is the like, I mean, that is basically the dance we keep doing, right? And then it's just like, so um, I've been thinking about some of the stuff we were saying before and, um. Well, I reckon we probably lost our temper a little bit in your direction, maybe uh, yeah, a little more than we should. So, yeah, it was not. It was not great. I got to be honest. It here I great. here we are, hat in hand, and saying we're sorry. Will you come? Well, help our. It's pretty hard to get back on track. Well, all the stuff you said last time, not great. Yeah, not, you, no uh, scumbags. We're dirty. Uh, we're lazy. Well, we're filthy. Some of that's taken out of completely out of context, as far as. What I was, I was saying, you are a scumbag, you know, so I just, uh, very sorry again, if that defend, but didn't, it's, where we come from, scumbags are helpful things, they are a, you put your, it helps get your scum collected, so when we say scumbag, we are, 
complimenting the ingenuity of the bag of scum because it used to be now hold on now it used to be that scum was everywhere scattered scum scummy scum and you'd go oh well, what are we gonna do with all scum and someone go well, I don't know what are we gonna do just maybe put in a pile make a scum pile till someone finally made a bag to put the scum in and when we did that we went well looky here now I've got a clean floor d- devoid of scum. All thanks to my handy-dandy friend here, the scumbag. So I'm reckoning that you're, th- you're fixated on the wrong thing. It was a compliment. Scumbag. I'm a, you, I, you say that all the time over here. That guy, he's a hell of a guy. One of my best scumbags. So. You called me a piece of shit also. Well, where I come from, a piece of shit is a compliment because the shit is a, you know what I mean? It's a shit, it's a good to have. It's shit can be utilized. You just stop talking. When some. T- okay. Uh, please come back and save our, our <laughs> world. <laughs> so. Millions of women end up joining the workforce, most of them in the defense industry, and then others leave farm work to go work in the defense industry. So now who's going to harvest the crops? Right. So the U.S. Goes, uh, goes to Mexico asking to make a deal for laborers. A lot of Mexicans uh, don't even believe the U.S. has a labor shortage and just think the U.S. is trying to get cheap, cheap workers. Right. But the Mexican government thinks they can help the war effort uh, and... And benefit economically at the same time by agreeing to a worker deal. So Mexico declares war on the uh, Axis uh, powers on June 1st, 1942. And then the next month, the Becerro program uh, is established. Now, we've talked about this before. Yeah, right. The program, Operation Wetback episode. Abysmal program, right? Uh, You know, not great. Not great. Um, The Becerro program... Um, is where Mexican workers are brought to the U.S. to work on farms and railroads. Literally, Bracero uh, means a one who uses his arms. It means manual laborer in Mexico. Right. So it, it's right. literally, you're just saying, basically, the you're manual. You're being very clear. <laughs> no. Which is nice. It is not. I do, I, I do think that there, we should pass some sort of legislation that makes, like, there should be, like, a title czar. You know, who's I agree. in charge of... Of just the titles? Yeah, yeah just as like, eh, no child left behind is not what this is. You know, just it's, that person. is. It's never, it's never what it says. It's always the opposite. Never. No, it's always like, you know, even when it comes to food. Like, if you bought, like, a bag of Doritos and it was gnocchi, you'd be like, what the fuck? Give me my money back. <laughs> but for some reason, when it comes to, like, bills and laws, they're like, no, no, no. You can totally just, whatever, whatever wrapping you want to put on your turd. Uh, so the deal was employers would pay for transportation and living expenses. And right. it's, it, the language of it prohibits discrimination. Uh, recruitment centers open in uh, Juarez and uh, Chihuahua and, and different places on the border. And many thousands of Mexicans flock to the centers because you needed to get a work permit to be a part of the Bracero program. Okay. But then that meant a lot of Mexicans couldn't get it. There ended up being a lot of, like, you had to bribe and do all this shit. So they're still coming in illegally. They're still like, fuck it. This isn't worth the shit. I just want a fucking job. Right. But pretty soon reports come out of the Braceros 
being discriminated against, not being paid, not being fed, terrible living conditions, everything that the program is supposed to, you know. Yeah, help. Not, not make happen, right? So many Braceros go on strike, and then, uh, so it's a problem. And then World War II ends, and there's a lot of pressure to end the Bracero program because all these soldiers are coming back. Hey, uh, we just um, randomly are changing everything again. <laughs> just totally unre- unrelated to them coming back. Hey, remember all that stuff I said? Uh, I was talking about how scumbags, nasty, and everything. I, 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 I looked over everything and fuck you again. Fuck hey, you. By the way, you bought the scumbag rap, but you're <laughs> stupid because the scumbag is a bad thing. We don't, <laughs> we hate scumbags. <laughs> Woo! USA. <laughs> uh, of course, the agriculture industry lobbies. For the government to continue it, and um, yes. of course they win. But the rules became even more lax, so things got so bad that braceros are eating banana peels, melon oh. rinds, and even newspapers to survive. Oh my god! So then, how is that even? Does that do something? Eating newspaper is enough to keep you going? I think it just fills you up, so you're not in pain. Oh fucking hey god! What a horrendous answer. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, it's not great. So Mexico ends it. They're like, we're done. Ni- 1948, they're like, we're fucking out. This is terrible. Right, right. So Congress gets lobbied again, and they pass a law assuring workers would be protected. And then Mexico returns to the Bracero program in 1951. Hey, guess who? <laughs> Howdy who? Hey, uh, hey, hey, are you doing something different? Are you working out? You look so. No, I'm the same. I'm the same as I've always been. hair. I haven't changed at all. At all. Tougher. No, I'm Um, the same. I'm the same. Okay. Good to see you. I didn't, I'm not coming to do anything. I just wanted to, I just randomly. Oh, um, are you good? Just wanted to see if you're good. Not, not really. I'm not, I'm not great. Okay. Well, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I gotta be honest. I just wanted to say something, just to let you know that mm-hmm. um, the last time when I was explaining the scumbag was a not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I remember. Well, I was changing reality to just. I was drunk first. I drank, been drinking a lot around that time, and a scumbag again is a great thing. You, it you, is a great thing. Yeah, do you remember mocking me, saying how stupid I was for believing that it was a good thing? But, uh, no. The alcohol... Was, I was poisoned by a gang to be drunk that day. And I, know, doesn't, I don't expect you to believe it or forgive it. But a bunch of men put rum in me and drunk, drunk me. And so I just wanted to say that I feel... I feel bad, and I just want to say sorry. So I'll see you later. I don't need Okay, any- bye. Also, if you wanted to maybe to just turn a new page, come over and pick some st- stuff again, that would be, you know, give you a shot. So I'm so angry. I'm just yeah. angry, you know? Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm pissed, too. They just don't why, why? Why would you they be pissed? Don't, 
They don't get it. Who's they? It's you. The system is just a joke to guys like us. The same, basically, guys. You and me. And the system's put its boot on our necks. No, thank you. God, pisses me off. Scumbags like us. Good people. Good good scumbags. I I will take... I will take this job if you shut the fuck up. Great. That's all I'm looking for. Great. Yes. Let's not do this again. That's the goal. So Mexico comes back to the program in 1951. The law also prohibits them from unionizing, striking, or negotiating for higher pay. (laughs) What? It's just... I mean... (laughs) (sighs) I mean, it it is an abusive relationship. Yeah, it is. As usual, there's another backlash against immigrants. In 1954, the U.S. engaged in Operation Wetback, which is a massive program to deport Mexican workers. But the Bracero program continues throughout all this. And you can listen to our Operation Wetback episode. It's very uplifting. Yes. In the mid-60s, when uh, a Baby boomers are starting to hit working age. There's this huge concern there won't be enough jobs for these young boomers turning 18, 19. Okay. And that turns more Americans against the Bracero program than ever before. So, right. So they've... It's very strange how it works, Dave. It seems... (laughs) One could call it completely selfish. (laughs) Again... Farmers are saying their crops will rot in the fields if there's no Mexican laborers. So it's literally the same argument we've been having Get since the 20s. Get out, you scumbags. <laughs> Oz lied again. It's the old double fib back around Z. Scumbag is a bad thing. We don't need it. Yeah. So William Willard Wirtz was born in what? 1912. Willard, William Willard Wirtz. It's the most fucked up name to give a kid. It's just fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's from the alliteration part of town. He's, he's born in 1912. His father was uh, a college coach, both football and basketball. Wirtz goes to Northwestern Illinois University and then Harvard Law School. He becomes a pre- professor at Northwestern Illinois. Then he serves on the War Labor Board, which is, they like, if there's any labor disputes during the war, there's a special board to deal with it because they're like wartime. We can't have disputes because that's coming out of World War uh, One, where the Wobblies realized how much power they had and they were shutting down shipbuilding right. and weapons and you know. So they're essentially like no change during war times. That's correct. The time when you would most want to possibly enact change, we can't have it because nope, we're not now. <laughs> We're all for this war. Oh, but we're not for the war. We don't think we should kill our fellow uh, leftists. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's kind of how wars work. This is awkward. Work. That's how wars yeah. work. Uh, so he ends up, uh, he ends up uh, becoming an active Democrat. In 1961, he was appointed labor secretary. So okay. he comes in, and this is 61, so he immediately faces this issue of what to do with farm labor. He got all these boomers coming of age. Uh, Need jobs, farmers telling you don't do this again. That's right. So because of public pressure, the Bracero program officially ends 
by Congress letting it expire on December 31st, 1964. So they just don't re-up it. They just, it's just dead. Let it go. Okay. So Wirtz then, the next day rules foreign workers could not be brought into the U.S. unless farmers could prove they couldn't get American workers if they offered them a decent wage. He's basically saying, pay, pay, raise, raise the amount of money you pay workers and right. Americans will take the jobs. That's what he's saying. Right. And farmers are going like, yes, but the bottom line thing. Yeah, but mm. so he also raises the minimum wage for farm laborers from a buck twenty-five to a buck forty an hour. Not a lot, but I think back then a lot more. Obviously, the okay. The spokesman for California Citrus and Avocado Growers called the increase quote an intolerable economic burden. Okay. So Wirtz said there were. Uh, enough U.S. farm workers. He says, there's enough. We actually don't need to bring anybody in. And uh, that the agriculture corporations are just not recruiting them. Yes, exactly. That's the problem. So the governor of California pushed Wirtz to let in 5,100 workers for crops that immediately needed to be harvested. So now we're at the point now where crops are just sitting there. They need to be harvested. No one's yeah, he's doing like, anything. We got... Ten white guys, uh, they have pretty bad attitudes, but they said they'll do it. That's not enough. So in late March, Wirtz flies, Wirtz flies to California to tour farms with the governor. And they get on an Air Force plane, and they, they fly over the state for four days, stopping and meeting with farmers and union officials and workers. Uh, the Vancouver Sun, quote, Wirtz discovered to his astonishment that the growers complained little about the higher pay scale. With considerable frankness, many said the Mexicans worked harder and didn't talk back. Yeah. I, I mean... <laughs> I think people will take any work they can get at this point. At, at this point in America? In any point in American history. Hmm, okay. I think that what's happening here is they, the farmers can treat the Mexican workers so badly because they don't have any legal protections that that's what they want. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One farmer told Wirtz, quote, we're frightened and desperate. We're afraid to plant crops for fear they'll rot on the vine. Wirtz keeps telling them to hire U.S. workers and pay them more. Okay. So all it's coming down to is the farmers are now saying, I can't do this. I need to bring in people for cheap labor. And, and the guy who's in charge of labor in the United States, of overseeing this shit, is saying, yeah, you can. You can afford it. So, okay. Interesting. So uh, he goes to the fields and he meets laborers. One teaches them how to use an asparagus hoe. So... Like, he's learning how hard, because it's actually really hard. They don't give them right. a big hoe. They give them a little tiny hoe, so they have to bend over. Like, it's, it's you know, so right. they save a few bucks. So you get hoe back. Hoe back. Yeah, that's what it was, basically. Uh, UPI, quote, Wirtz viewed laborers eating sack lunches in the field. So there's some fun stuff going on, too. <laughs> Wait, well, I don't understand. This is from the UPI story. Quote, Wirtz viewed laborers eating sack lunches in the field. So he just watched some guys. He's just watching guys eat? Yeah, he watched some guys eat lunch. (laughs) Very creepy. It's like a fetish. It's like an OnlyFans. At the end of the tour, 
Forde Tor. He said, quote, I think a great majority of Americans would be willing to pay an additional quarter cent a pound for celery to eliminate the present working conditions in the fields. So they, they estimated that if they paid workers more, the increase is less than a cent. It's totally nothing. Right. Right. And, th- and that's what's stopping that people. That, right. So the idea being that you will give, you give people, you know, you're going to make a better existence for people and people will pay a little bit more. And he's like, people will go for that problem. Yeah. Because it's not that like, much. Because no. right. when it's spread out over all the heads of lettuce, it actually doesn't turn out to be that much money. Right. Okay. Wurtz called for wages of farm workers to increase 50%. So he's like, look, you guys are making enough money that you can pay these people 50% more. Okay. I, and they go along with that, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but then he ended up proving 1,500 Mexican workers to come to California in May and 6,500 West Indians to go to Florida to pick oranges and sugar cane. So he's still like, okay, I get Sometimes. it. I'm going to let some in. But again, you got to right. do something. He's like saying, you got to do something. I'm going to let these guys in so the crops don't rot. But again, you got to do something. Right. Okay. Uh, but more crops would be ready soon. And the farmers said that number was, wasn't adequate. Wirtz said the answer was making the job better. Quote, we have been downgrading agricultural labor for years by putting it in inhuman housing. So he's saying the conditions, the material conditions you're providing for the workers is getting worse and worse and worse. So maybe that's part of the reason that Americans don't want to work there. Because you're going as far down as you possibly can. It's not just the work. And they... Well, and also that they now have, like, I mean, you're just, but the farmer's like, but there are people we can exploit. And he's like, yeah, but don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) That's basically it. Yeah. On Tuesday, May 5th, Wirtz announces a new program that would be the solution to everyone's problem. (laughs) Robots. The Athletes in Temporary Employment as Agricultural Manpower Program. What? So he's like, we've got the best athletes here. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. AP, quote, the government launched a drive Tuesday to recruit some 20,000 high school boys to work on the nation's farms this summer. Wow. So... Okay, so basically it's like, all right, are we going to learn track this summer? Why no, not at all. <laughs> this summer you're going to compete in a new sport. What, what's it called? Picking. You Stra- ever played picking? Strawberry picking. You got to pick strawberries. We're going to have five games where you're going to go head-to-head against other high school teams, and we're going to see who can get the most strawberry points by picking them and putting them in a basket. What? So we're going to... What's the question? What? Why are you crying? No, What's I, the I matter? Just, I just, I thought that maybe this summer uh, I was going to do lifeguard stuff or. Life? What? This is, this, this I'm, we're going to compete in picking the sport. Do you guys understand? This is huge. There's a I, future in this. I don't think that's a sport. That's just all I'm it saying. It is a sport. Not with that attitude, but we're going to go head to head against other schools. Now, who wants to be center picker? Who wants to play right pick? I, and then we're going to need a pick field. I, yeah. I don't Come on. Be a, I don't want to be a teenager anymore. Ah, uh, well, all right. You're going to 
not start. Your attitude it, is really weak and terrible. It just got really bad. That's all. It's guys, guy, everyone. We're picking. It's a new sport. Everyone's doing it. Come on. I'm crying. Jesus Christ. It's not going over well with the students. So, look, the reason for this is it's going to solve the high summer teen unemployment. I mean, all of us in these boomers are all coming of age. And then the farm labor shortage at the same time, right? They see it. They're like, look, we got workers here. We need workers here. Let's do it. Uh Uh-huh. Wurtz nicknamed the program the A-Team. All right. Okay. And then when he announces it, he has baseball great Stan Musial next to him, Cleveland Browns running back Jim Brown, and Mets pitcher William Spawn. So he surrounds himself with these big, amazing athletes and gives the press conference. Mostly they just stood next to him and nodded. Uh, I think one of them said it was a great way for high school athletes to stay in shape during the summer. Sure. Yes, it for sure is. (laughs) Absolutely. The idea is that their coaches will go with them Uh and oversee them, and then they'd practice in their off hours when they weren't picking. I mean, the more I hear about this idea, the worse it gets. I mean, (laughs) it is crazy. So the idea, I mean... So I like obviously you like where Wurtz's head is at, but the idea that you're like, you know, and instead of cheap labor, we'll just use these students and not pay them. Does that sound pretty? That seems pretty better. That's pretty better, right? That's nice and pretty better. The AP quote: The Labor Department said it will insist that growers provide good housing and food for youths who will be under close supervision during their sojourn on the farm. Well, honey, I got to go coach my team to pick peas. See you later. So I think what he's thinking is, and I could be wrong about this, but this is the way it comes across. I think he's thinking that because they're going to take these American teen athletes, that it's going to force the farmers to provide better housing and everything else. I think he's like, well, they won't be able to get away with it. I wonder why they would do that. (laughs) I wonder what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now they're like, uh, yeah. So he's basically like, all right, I will now give you like the white youth yeah. and force your hand into, because you know that their parents will go ape shit because. Yeah. yeah. He's addressing the, 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 the clear racism and right. that's involved in this. So it's a besides- pretty good move. And now, now it is a good move. Well, <laughs> Okie dokie, here we go. Keep going, Dave. <laughs> Besides calling it the A-Team, Wurtz revealed the program slogan, Farm Work Builds Men. So yeah. you want to be a, you want your boy to be a man? Send him to work on a farm. And everyone in America is like, hell, that sounds right. Well, it sounds like he's trying to insinuate that Joseph will not be a man. <laughs> and Joseph will be a man. Joseph will therefore go and pick corn for the summer. <laughs> hey, Joseph. Yeah? You're going to go pick corn for the summer. What God... Sounds horrible. Why? Because you're going to become a man. Otherwise, this guy, who I don't know, his name's Wurtz, he's going to think you're not a man. I'm not a man. Shut up. Come on. You're going to go pick corn all summer. So high schools schools are supposed to contact employment offices in their state to find out which farms needed workers. And then they put them on touch with each other. And then 20 or 30 
quote, athletic boys from a school would go out to a farm and work. And the farm wasn't supposed to be more than 350 miles away. Wirtz, Wirtz made it very clear he wanted jocks. He's like, this is for jocks. This is jock work. Right. Yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> so this, are we just in a loophole off? Well, I mean, the problem with that thinking is, is real jocks, like the really good athletes, are the most pampered yeah. kids in a society in America. Like they're the yeah. ones that really, in truth, are have, have really... Uh, emotionally stunted development-wise because they get everything they want, right? I mean, that's the real American. Yes. So uh, he says, where it says, quote, they can do the work. They are entitled to a chance at it. So he's trying to make it like, they're entitled. They should get this opportunity to work work picking strawberries. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and then we just cut to Johnny Manziel in a field. Uh, wait, what does he want me to do, dude? No, he can get fucked is what he can do, dude. Yeah. I mean, I always, when I think of pampered athletes, I always think of Lu- uh, Luis Suarez, who played for Liverpool and Barcelona. Like, he would bite other players because he was oh, such yeah. a little fucking child, man child. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, multiple bites. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Republicans are against it, and, and some Democrats. At this point, it's a very. Uh, who. You really, if you supported farmers and farming, it was really dependent on the state you were from. So there's a lot of Democrats that are also in this. But Florida Senator, uh, this is the craziest name, Sepsard Holland. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Did not like it. Sepsard? S-E-P-S-S-A-R-D. How can you make a sepsis sound like an erection? I've got a way. Sepsard. That's my boy. Ah, uh, yes. Well, we couldn't agree on a name, so we just threw some Scrabble letters on the floor and put them together, and this is now our son, Sepsard. <laughs> so. Uh, he's great. He's really good. So, uh, Sepsard, take the bucket off your head, bud. <laughs> Sepsard did not like, quote, this isn't the answer to Florida's problems. Maybe they need football players in the West or East. We need them. We need them on the gridiron when it's the height of our vegetable season. So he's like, why are you taking our football boys away? That, that's his argument right now. Why are you taking I away mean, our football players? Like, what, you know what we need is to learn what need means. <laughs> need. We need to play football. Uh, others said Americans would just not do it. Uh, Representative E.C. Gathings, quote, you cannot depend on skid row people to work in the harvest of perishables. What? So he's giving away so much with this statement. He's just basically saying the pay is so fucking bad that the only people that will do it are people who live on skid row. It's just coming it's right just, out with it. It's a very revealing thing to say. Yeah. I don't think much of anybody. <laughs> so the government starts a PR came, uh, campaign. It ads on the radio, the ads in magazines, newspapers. Have it- you played picking? The new <laughs> sport that's taking over the summer. That's right. If you've got a son or daughter who's athletic, why send them to picking? Oh, boy. Listen to these testimonials. I would really love to have a summer. That's right. This could be <laughs> you. Join us for picking all summer at any farm that needs them. Send your children, 14 to 17. It's time for picking. <laughs> I, thought I, I thought I was just going to swim in the lake this summer. 
Yeah, you're gonna know. You're not gonna swim in the lake. You're gonna learn what it's like to actually cultivate your own fruits and vegetables. That's right. You thought throwing a screen pass was difficult or a Hail Mary. Have you ever tried irrigating? <laughs> Join us for picking this summer. <laughs> Everyone's having a lot of fun. In one ad, 1964 Heisman Trophy winner yells, quote, farm work builds men. So they're just getting all these. I'm on my way to college. <laughs> I'm going to make a ton college. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to make a ton of money in playing pro football. You yeah. go work on a farm. Two, two years removed from high school being like, hey, I'm telling you, I would do it if I were you guys. It's like bullshit. <laughs> Farms keep pushing uh, to get the Braceros back. They said Americans would never do the brutal work. I'm sure it had nothing to do with farm workers historically being excluded from labor laws. So they are excluded from, and still today, there's a lot of exclusions for laborers. They just aren't included in shit in our labor laws. All the laws that are like keeping people safe and healthy and making sure they're paid well, well, they're just excluded. They're just not a part of it. Eh, It's it's a thing that we do. Always been our deal. Um, because it's brutal work. So, yeah. Wurtz just uh, keeps responding that Americans would do it if the farms paid enough. So he just sticks to his argument, and they keep complaining. He keeps saying, we'll pay more, and workers will come. Mm-hmm. Wurtz said the increase in prices would only be about one cent for a head of lettuce or, you know, whatever, any sort of thing that was picked. So Michigan Pickle Farms said they were a 1,000 workers short, even though they had planted fewer crops in 1964. So one of the things that happened was, as soon as this looked like it was coming, all of the farms started planting less. Okay, right. And that's what Michigan Pickle Farm, it, cucumber pickle farms did. And the goal of that is to have, I mean, what is their, is the goal there to show that, like, yeah, what are they trying to do? I think, I think the goal is to, well, if you plant less, then you're not paying you make, to grow as much, and it doesn't cost you as much. Uh, so it is, it's, it's more precautionary for your business versus trying to make a point to uh, words. I, th- I think it's both. Okay, okay, all right, I get it. One farmer said Americans just wouldn't pick the way Mexicans did. Quote, the Latins are built for the job. They're used to stooping in the fields all day, and they're used to the heat. You can't get Americans to do the same thing. (laughs) Now, can you imagine an American working in a brutal job? Has that ever happened? Have Americans ever worked in heat? Have Americans Americans ever had tough, tough jobs? No, that's why we're trying to hold on to coal jobs so much. So it's just the Latins that are built for it. It's not... Yeah. No, well, it is also an amazing... It is, again, I mean, just another amazing argument in the history of White's arguments. It's it's so racist. Well, it's a racist, and it also is an admission of, like, previous abuse. It's like, they're used to it. (laughs) It's just like, yeah, but, like, we're saying, don't... Nobody should be used to it. Well, they are. Yeah, well, I mean, what it is is they're just more desperate because they have a worse poverty yeah. situation. And yeah. they, they, I mean, they really from, are like, we country. can get away with it. Yeah. But which, I guess what you don't understand is we're getting away with it. <laughs> Do you understand? So we're very confused as to why you keep coming over here and suggesting that we change our practices when for so long it's just been fine because we can just totally get away with it. <laughs> so... 
I'm sure. Yeah, right. This has nothing to do with Mexican workers living in camps close to fields when they're harvesting. So they can they be exploited. They love it. They love They think it's camping. I hear them all the time. They say it's a family holiday. So you can literally exploit them more because they're living right next to the field as opposed to yeah. an American worker who gets in a car and drives home. Yeah. It's literally just there's two hours in a day you can make someone work Yeah, more. if this hadn't happened, they would try to be convincing them to sleep in ears of corn. They'd be like, just tuck your legs in there a little bit. Do you see how that's kind of like a, a sleeping bag? Oh, and the Mexican workers got a dollar an hour, and U.S. workers wanted at least one twenty-five or one forty. Right. So okay. now in Mexico, the workers are upset. The San Francisco Chronicle quote: "Meanwhile, at the border, shouting Mexicans who failed to get jobs in California demonstrated noisily yesterday." Uh. Not that that's a horribly racist, just shouting Mexicans. Not, not yeah. that they're, they're not justified. They're just shouting. <laughs> you know how they get. Shouty. <laughs> and noisy. Yeah. Yeah, they should be upset because they want jobs, and it's all, they're being prevented from working the jobs. Um, so Wirtz then allows 1,000 workers in on May 20th after a panel of university college professors inspected crops and said, look, these are starting to go bad, or they're about to. <laughs> now, the farms are still thousands of workers short, according to them, but thankfully, the A-teams are coming. Dun, 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 dun. Um, my hair, ow, my fingers hurt. <laughs> in July... Newspapers across the country uh, print photos as proud towns say goodbye to their groups of high schoolers, right, getting on the bus and heading out. Uh Many, uh, many, however, are traveling way beyond the 350 miles. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're going. It's kind of fun. It's kind of it's it's pretty funny to send like a bunch of white high school kids to like labor camps for the summer and be like, <laughs> you're doing your patriotic duty, Gregory. And be like, Mom, I'm in Kansas. <laughs> the Courier of Iowa printed a photo of teens getting on a bus headed for Salinas, California. Quote, a teacher coach from Cresco will serve as advisor to all 31. So you're looking at it in the paper, and you're like, oh, this seems fine. There's a bunch of smiling kids on a bus, and their coaches yeah. with them, and it's going to be like There's a summer a coach. trip. He's got a whistle. <laughs> There's a bag full of basketballs for some reason. Overall, the press thought it was a very bad idea. Detroit Free Press, quote, dealing with crops which grow close to the ground requires a good deal stronger motive than money or the prospects of a good workout, like, for instance, gnawing hunger. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just like a Nathan for you episode. <laughs> this is like, I mean, it really is. You're just, you're basically, I mean, I, I get the point he's making, and it is very interesting to be like, I'll just attack these white people with their children to show them. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, it's not like it's going to, I mean, I highly doubt that it's going to, you're going to see this work. Yeah. So altogether, 18,100 teenagers signed up for the A-teams, but only 3,500 would work in the fields. Okay. The Department of Labor said that was partially because states requested migrant workers, but then changed it when the A-teams were assigned. So they would be like, I need 
I need 5,000. So Iowa would be like, look, I need 5,000 right. pickers from Mexico. And then, then the U.S. Here government. Here you go. Like, you got a bunch of 17-year-olds. And they uh, go, I just need 2,000. I don't need any. So I don't Colorado, need any. Colorado asked for 6,000 foreign workers. And when the Department of Labor said they would send eight teams instead, Colorado withdrew the request for all the workers. That is quite a rebuff. <laughs> Yeah, we need 6,400. It's the high school kid thing. Yeah, we're good. We're set. We're not, um, we don't need any. So that, that to me means they're hiring illegally, right? They're not, they're not using the Bracero program. That's what I would take that as. Right. Okay. Right. Um, so also a lot of kids dropped out because they thought they would be going to California, but when they found out it was somewhere else, they bailed. So like there's kids who are like, oh, I'm, I'm in Hell Florida. Yeah. I'm going to go to California. Like a beach boy. Yeah, Surf City. Like, no, it's, it's Michigan. Be awesome. It's Michigan. Yeah, it's Michigan, and uh, there's a lot of thorns around these tomatoes. But uh, I, I was gonna meet Bo Derek, and uh, shut up. And guys, remember, use your backs, not your legs. Use your backs, <laughs> not your legs. Come on. <laughs> so. Uh, also, a lot of kids dropped out because they thought they would be going to California, but when they found out... Oh, I already said that. So, yeah. um, I can do the bit again. No, it's right. Dude, I'm so excited. Okay. Now, 17-year-old Randy Carter signed up with 24 San Diego High uh, school classmates. Quote, we thought, I'm not doing anything else this summer. Why not? Now, none of them are athletes. Not one of them. Most of the 18 members are not athletes. Because football coaches didn't want players picking celery because yeah. they have summer practice. Yes, all as football, well as like, yeah, all you teams get injured. No, yes. S- yes, but so many teams, especially football teams at this time, they have summer practices. They keep going. Can you also imagine? I, I just, I mean, I hated school to my bones. I can't imagine. Over a summer being like, I don't have anything to do. And that being like something I need to fix. <laughs> like, that was like the point. The whole point was you had nothing to do. Yes. The idea of go- like my dad tried to send me to this thing called Super Camp one summer. And it was going to be six weeks of like, I don't know, learning how to be super or something. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I fought so hard that he ate the money he paid and didn't send me. <laughs> because I was like, no, I'm not going. And you talk about going to like pick, going live like on a farm to pick stuff. And these, they are, are actively being like, yeah, let's go do it. Oh God. So, um, teens were shipped all over the country, most to Texas and California. Carter and his San Diego group were sent to Blythe, California. Uh, which is sort of a desert hell. It's literally just in the middle of a desert. Okay. Uh, there's like crops. It's like, it's like. You kids you know, are going to desert hell. <laughs> <laughs> there they picked cantaloupes. Uh huh. So, sure. the, so when they arrive, I guess they must have arrived later in the day. It seems okay. The wind's blowing. It's not that warm. Quote mm-hmm. Then you go out in the field and the first ray of sun comes over the horizon. The first ray. Everyone looked at each other and said, what did we do? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. The thermometer went up like in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. By 9 a.m., it was 110 degrees. Oh, it's just even saying a Bugs Bunny cartoon is like really shows you the age. (laughs) It's like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. 
so they're giving gardening gloves. Come on, gloves. guys. They're, they're basically like little basketballs on plants. Pick them and then toss them to each other. All right. We're going to run the triangle cantaloupe offense. Very simple. Pick the cantaloupe. You toss it to Teddy. Teddy, you put it in Barry's basket. Boom, two points. The goal is to get 50 million points by the end of the summer. Do you believe that? What a nightmare. Let's go, guys. Come on. Hey, uh, can you just yeah. treat us? Can you just treat us like this is a terrible job instead of the, the weird sort of thing you're doing about sports? It's not a job. It's not a job. It's, a it's job. not a job. I'm getting paid. and it's. I'm we, are, we are playing lope ball. This is lope ball, gentlemen. This is what it is. All right. Now we got our center. He grabs the lope, tosses it to the forward, right? He puts the lope in Barry's basket. Barry, when you got a bunch of lopes in your basket, you go to the point center and you put all those lopes up on that scale. Then we'll see how many it is. And again, the goal is to get 50 million points. This is Come not on, a, guys. This is not it's a, a game. Thing. It's, it's not. We're going to win. The, we're going to win state. We're going to win no, state. No, we're not we're competing. Win, we are. We're watching. We're gonna, everyone's a, a bunch of teams. It's a round robin is what it is. Come on. All right. Get to picking the cantaloupes. <laughs> We've got so fucking many to pick. It's crazy. I didn't know this, but mel- uh, melons have fine hairs. That... <laughs> By the way, guys, melons have heads of hair. <laughs> <laughs> they have little fine hairs on them. That make them feel like, quote, picking up sandpaper. Yeah, and guys, but sometimes when you first pick up the lope, it's going to feel like a but It's going to feel like you're handling a porcupine. That's all <laughs> part of the sport. That's what's going to make this team so good. Now, what you want is your hands to bleed. That means you're getting closer to them never bleeding again. So they give them gardening gloves to pick, but the gloves only lasted four hours before they fell apart. What who what kind of mystery glove is this? <laughs> That's the kind of glove salesman you want to have. Where's well, that glove guy? I can't return him. He left town. Okay, so this is the thing. This is what you talk about material needs for the workers, right? So they don't have yeah. a union fighting for them, which would the union would be like, no, everybody needs gloves that will make them. Yeah. So right. it's it's Mexican dudes coming up and Mexican women, and they probably know. Because they've been doing this for a while, and they know other people have, and they probably come up with their own gloves. They probably bring yeah. their own gloves that work. Right. And these kids have no idea, so they just get there and they're like, "Here's some shitty gloves, dudes," and they don't work. So there you go. The farmers are trying their best. <laughs> yeah. So aside from a buck forty an hour, they got five cents for every crate, and okay. cr- a crate's like thirty or thirty-five cantaloupes. Okay. Breakfast was beans, eggs, and bologna sandwiches. That the breakfast of champions. <laughs> am I right? Come on, guys. What I like to do is make a little uh, bologna enchilada. Put the beans in there. Have it's a little ca- bean loney. It's called a morning fuck you. Go, go fuck yourself. You, go. you guys are going to need those nitrates when you're in the field today. <laughs> you guys are going to need that nitrates in your stomach, okay? Like athletes. Um, so they only got Sundays off. All the 18s only got Sundays off. So it's six days a week. Housing turns out to be terrible. Uh, old army barracks, rooms made from discarded wood. Some were in buildings where Japanese Americans had been interned. I mean, so they were like, nobody could live like this. And they were like, uh, hello. <laughs> well, mm. We um, were forced. 
So tons of kids, right when they got to the place and saw what it was, bailed immediately. Oh, yeah, for sure. The and second s- I find out that cantaloupes have hairs, I'm like, hey, you turn this bus around. <laughs> so in Salinas, California, 26 A-teams arrived. Uh, not that the company even wanted them. Salinas Strawberries, that's the name of the company, asked for three A-teams and was, quote, sandbagged with 24. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus Christ. Now, I would imagine that they were planning on hiring people who had not come in legally through the Bracero program, and now they're uh-huh. mad that they got stuck with high these teenagers. Students. Yeah. Got stuck with high school students. Uh, 24 groups of high school students. Um, uh. 135 students bailed in the first week. One told the AP, quote, we worked three days and all of us are broke. So they teens headed back to Wyoming. So these, these kids from came from all over and they had come from Wyoming. They had no way to return because the way it was set up was they would pay for them to come, the company. And mm-hmm. then when the contract was over after six weeks, they would pay to send them back. But if they didn't finish the six weeks, well, they're oh, stranded. So you're just <laughs> Okay. So, so basically, I mean, the company is incentivized to get these kids to quit. In a way, if they don't, if they don't, well, no, the company still had paid for them to come there. I mean, or com- I mean, the the farmers. No, the farmers aren't because the farmers still want the crops to be picked, and they're and they're kind of in a fuck situation, right? Because they didn't hire the workers they wanted, right? They, they got, got these it. other kids, so. Parents in Newcastle, Wyoming, agreed to pay $2,000 to bring their 37 kids back on a charter bus. Wow. But now the bill was due, and they were looking at the Labor Department to pay it, and they're saying, look, you didn't live up to your part of the bargain. It was shit living conditions, and they left. Uh, Uh, The Californian, quote, a Labor Department official said he knew of no way to get the money. So the Labor Department's like, fuck, I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so needless to say, things are going pretty well. A State Department of Employment official said the Wyoming group, quote, didn't even give it a try. It was a defeatist group. Oh, they didn't even want to be picking all summer. These kids they didn't, didn't have the right living, attitude. They didn't want to be living in shit conditions. They didn't want to be living uh, these in kids, fucking they just were garbage. So, they were so spoiled. The, the amount of times I heard my gloves broke again, it was like, cry me a river. <laughs> And when you do, throw some seeds in it, okay? Because it'll grow faster than most of the stuff these kids know how to do. <laughs> they are just useless when it comes to horticulture. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the toilets were, like, supposed to be ungodly. Like, it was just, it, it was fucking hell. Like, it, it yeah. was like, it was nothing you would ever work in or live. Right. Um, so he calls them defeatist, right? Yeah. A bunch of 17-year-olds are defeatist. Uh, Matt McAteer, 18, said there was a lot of fighting, and that's why the Wyoming kids had wanted out. Quote, there were an awful lot of rough kids down there. So besides the food and bad pay and no laundry facilities and literally toilets that are backed up and they can't use, there there's other kids who are problems and are f- starting fights everywhere. So they literally yeah, sent well, them. Part of, part of you thinks that this is potentially a job for adults. <laughs> That potentially that's what the idea should be here. 200 who had come to Salinas from New Mexico, Kansas, and Wyoming were gone after two weeks. The ones who stayed weren't happy. 
On June 16th, 100 teens refused to work the field they were assigned because it had already been picked by Braceros, and the company asked them to sign a waiver not guaranteeing their uh, their $1.40 an hour. Oh, my God. So now... So now the company... Could you ever get a better crash course in America than what these teeth? They're like, wait, what? It's like, don't worry. We hired a league. Shut the fuck up. So now they've taken... And they're calling them Braceros here, but I don't even know if they're Braceros. Now they're just sending out their usual migrant workers to pick a field and then sending the boys to then pick afterwards. So all the good shit's gone. Yeah. Yeah. And then sign the things that said that you don't need to get paid. Right. You, and so, so, and then on top of so that, you're say, just having a holiday here, essentially. <laughs> it's just a vacation away from your life. Right. So they want them to not take the buck 40 an hour and take a piecemeal, meaning just whatever yeah. you can pick, then you get paid like five cents, 10 percent. Sound good, everybody? <laughs> you like hey, America? One boy said the fields were so bad, he was only, only going to make $11 in a 40 hour week. Christ. All of these 100 kids, or most of them, had, uh, had signed unionization cards. So these kids in a week are like, let's fucking unionize. All right. You, obviously, we need unions. That is the backbone of I mean, it's like, you're 15. We're unionizing. So they've signed on with the Agricultural Workers Organizing Committee. The company refuses to listen to the teens' complaints and just fires them. I mean, which would be a blessing. You'd be like, thank God. <laughs> and then they were not paid for what they had already made that week. Okay, good. So their coach, Audie Woodward, said they hadn't been told ahead of time about how bad the pay and working conditions would be. Quote, if we had known, many of these kids wouldn't have come. Come on, guys. It's, I know it's not looking great, but we're the, we're, this is an underdog story. We got to dig deep. In the second half of the summer, we can figure this out. We can do this, okay? I got your back if you got mine. Come on, let's pick together. We are, let's do this. Go Wildcats! <laughs> Remaking Hoosiers, except this time it's about yeah. kids being <laughs> taught the yeah. worst labor lesson in the history of America. Yeah. All right, there's one cantaloupe left out there. <laughs> Just go grab it. 56 boys from New Mexico had accompanied their band director and baseball coach, Sip Senna. Where the fuck are these names coming from? Also, your band leader? Like, hey, we're, the band leader's going to take a bunch of adolescents to the farm to work for a summer. <laughs> Sound good? Senna said the boys who quit didn't give it a fair chance and that the ones who lasted acted like men. Yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> USA! Tolerate it. <laughs> he also said the food wasn't great, and for the first two weeks, all there was to drink was coffee. Yeah, well, that's uh, fine for a child at that age. These are growing children. Their bones need to be awake all the time to grow. So they need the sweet caffeine of the coffee to grow. Uh, the coach had a great. How was your gripe. summer, Randy? Well, I'm hooked on coffee, cigarettes, and I hate this country. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I came back a socialist, Mom. Oh, dear. Uh, Your the- hands are sir bludgeoned. <laughs> yeah, yeah cantaloupes have spikes. Do you know that? 
The coach had a gripe session with the company. Now, this came up several times in, in the newspaper articles I read. Gripe sessions. I guess it's like a meeting where you discuss what's wrong. Dave, Dave, 100% you need to start a podcast called Gripe Sessions. <laughs> it is your destiny. This, this, show, this show was created for the show you're about to make called Gripe Sessions. <laughs> uh, you'd be... You'd crush a gripe session. That's all you do. That's your Twitter handle should have been at gripe session. <laughs> the coach had a gripe session with the company and government officials. And after that, the kids also got milk and cocoa. There you go. Huh? See what a good gripe session does. You guys ready to go work more forever for nothing. Also, the New Mexico kids toilet situation was so bad. A health inspector was called after which it was, quote, improved. Wow. So the he was toilet like, yeah. was so bad they called a health inspector. <laughs> and he had notes. He was like, it's terrible. Do you know, yeah. do you know how bad it has to be to get to the point where you call, where you actually talk about what to do and you seek out a government official to help with your <laughs> toilet? And he agrees. He's like, this you, is not good. You bring in a regulator to yeah. deal with... <laughs> With the thing you shit in. That's how bad it is. <laughs> and these are kids. That means they went to the company and they were like, hey, man, this is fucked. And the company's like, I don't know. That seems fine. Uh, we'll call a referee in. Uh, so there was no transportation. So they had to hitchhike if they wanted to do anything. Oh, my God. And the kids, I would read, they would like go to like hitchhike to Santa Cruz. Now that's fucking over the hills. That's miles away yeah. to go to the yeah. boardwalk and stuff. So they are, they are on their Sundays. They are trying to go and do as much as they can. They're going to San Francisco. Sure. They're going to, but they're hitchhiking everywhere. Yeah, they got to go glove shopping. In Michigan, the cucumber pickle farms brought in 15 A teams, 368 boys. The A-teams formed in Detroit never got to work because the farm they were supposed to go to refused to provide barracks. Now, if you're on that bus and you're like, why aren't we getting off? You know, you're watching that like, oh, please, 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 yes. Like, just watching it go to shit just to go home. (laughs) Turning around. Oh, yeah. We're turning around. We're, fuck, yeah. (laughs) You know? Uh, And again, that's because the the Mexican workers would pitch tents and build a camp. And they're like, yeah. we're not building you a place to live. You just, uh, you work no, here day and night. Just, you do it. You just, you do it. You like a, you just figure it out. You make a hole in the dirt or something if you need to. I don't know. The first morning, the A-teamers were shown how to pick. Quote, bend over with your legs straight, about three feet apart, straddling the roasted cucumber plants. And then they'd pull up one vine and pick every cucumber that was larger than a thumb and then pick up the other vine and do it. It's called stooping. Now, this is what all they called it for everybody. And that's why they, they didn't have the big hose for the asparagus that I brought up earlier. It's stooping. Right. You have to bend over. And this is but one of the things the like, farmers. It sounds like terrible body posture. It is. It's, it's another thing. Terrible for your lower you... back and. If they had unions, they might have tools to do it better or whatever. I don't know if you can with cucumbers, but they all the farmers, all the growers say, well, only only the Mexicans can do this. So the the white man can't bend over for hours. I mean, that's That's just amazing over and over and over. Right. Right. 
Six-year-old Stan Brazil said it was, quote, back-breaking. By late July, the government said it had fixed the uh, terrible conditions the teens were living in. A, this is a labor They department. are now able to shit! <laughs> this is an actual statement from a Labor Department A-team co-coordinator. He said uh-huh. the living conditions were, quote, no longer a survival effort. Oh, God. Is that, that, I mean, that is, and you better believe there's some spit shining going on already. But that is <sighs> such a low bar. Yeah. They yeah. are now survivable. <laughs> so that's pretty good, if you ask me. <laughs> Progress, look out. Uh, the ones that stuck it out, the kids who stuck it out, uh, tried to make the best of it. Carter's group in Blythe, the cantaloupe pickers, would swim in irrigation canals on Sunday or hitchhike into Blythe and try to find someone to buy them beer. Every group is supposed to have a chaperone around college age or a coach, but they just, it, Carter just had a college age kid and he would just take off. So he'd show up for one day and then bail for like four and then, uh-huh. <laughs> and then come back. Yeah. How was the week? <laughs> Carter said his group had taken a vote. If they had taken a vote on the first day, they would have left. But yeah. the more they stuck it out, the more days went by, the more they became determined to make it the whole six weeks. I can't imagine having that in me as a teenager. No. To be like, I want to show them. I'd be like, I want to sh- be shown the door. I need to leave. Yeah. Quote, it literally became a thing of pride. We weren't going to be fired and we weren't going to quit. We were going to finish it. The Republicans continued to say not using Braceros would lead to food shortages. So now the Republicans are saying this is going to be food shortages, and the Democrats are saying it's not, or most Democrats. Others said Dems would lose the next election. A syndicated column by John Chamberlain, quote, The loss in gross income to California's farmers because of the unplanted tomato acreage should run to $25.5 million. The coming disaster in tomatoes means the pizza vote in addition to the vote of housewives and tomato growers. Dave, I just want to, on behalf of everybody, thank you for pizza vote. Um, obviously, it is, it is a fantastic sect of our uh, voting public. The pizza vote is, I mean, a movie title. It's also so true. Like, and we do, and, and there's, I mean, we, sh- how, honest to God, we should have the pizza party. <laughs> we are there. It is time for us to finally embrace who we are. Hey, are you a third want, party. you wanted the pepperoni, huh? America yes, wanted, America us, wants a pepperoni. Us, we just want pizza. You're going to get a pizza. Every one of you is going to get a free pizza every week. That would probably be enough to get elected president. I'm going to give you every single, every one, man, a woman, a child. Yes, we're waiting. A spicy meatball pizza. Uh, okay. Gosh, he's just, I, he, I love his policy. Just, I wonder if he's the best spokesman. It seems a little... I'm a little off-put sometimes. It's just very on the nose. The spicy meatball thing is... Or a veggie deluxe. You want a veggie deluxe? You want a spicy meatball? You get a pizza. All right. He's trying, which I don't see a lot in politics anymore. Vote a pizza, Peter. A pizza, Peter. 
Pizza Peter wins within a landslide election. You can see sweeping the South and the Northeast. In July, prices of lettuce had risen 29 cents. Word said the rising prices had nothing to do with the labor shortage and was due to weather, and that companies were pushing propaganda to convince people it was a labor issue. In front of con- Congress, he said, quote, the, that propaganda was poppycock. Yes. So, of course, they're, they're using the labor shortage to justify stuff that's happening, and, and, right. the, and the Labor Department is saying, ah, this is just absolute bullshit. So by August, the California newspaper wrote, it was hard to know who disliked the program more, teenagers, the farms, or the government officials. (laughs) Good. That's fine. A uniting force. One kid said he had saved $50 over the summer, which is about $420 today. Pretty pretty good for a summer of (laughs) back-breaking field labor. Selena Strawberry said hiring A-teams had cost the company over $75,000. When asked about good features of the program, a company spokesman said, quote, as much, I don't think there are any. We've never seen that much feces. (laughs) Uh, The teens were not good compared to the usual migrants, they said. One farmer called the program, quote, a wasteful experiment. He started with 40 teens, and by the end of it, he had 10. In Michigan, the A-teams fell apart. Oh, some were said to just disintegrate and vanish. By the end of the 15 teams, only seven were left, and of those, they, there were hardly any teams, teens on them. Okay, sure. In Salinas, there were only 227 teens, which was about 28% of what had come. Okay. So we're, not, we're seeing a turnover rate that's pretty high. Yes. And then... There is one paper that interviewed all of the New Mexico kids that came back. Every single one of them had gained like seven to ten pounds. Oh, just built like brick shit houses now. I don't think so. What? Because then the more I started to read about it, the food they were eating was fucking horrendous. So they were all putting so on you weight. Send your teen off for a summer of farm labor. And he comes back doughier? I think I be- I'm betting their legs had more muscle, but it really <laughs> sounds like they put on a bunch of weight. One kid was like, I just kept, I, I kept going. I also was going everywhere and eating as much as I could. So he would like hitchhike into town every day. And so it seemed like Keep they were doing that. Keep eating that bologna, boys. <laughs> you need that bologna figure. And by the end of this summer, you're all going to look like circus strongmen. Enormous legs with beautiful bellies. It's also like if you send out a bunch of teenagers, well, that's probably the period of my life when I ate the worst. Yeah, but I mean, I would just imagine picking all day. You're I like, know. When I used to work on houses, like I would eat anything and it yeah. wouldn't matter because I would just be sweat, I would sweat it all out by yeah. work. I mean, when I first read it, I was like, oh, this has got to be muscle. And then the more I read, I was like, yeah. oh, it's not muscle. It's not muscle <laughs> at all. It's amazing. So, They're just eating the strawberries. <laughs> the hell are they? <laughs> Where the hell are the strawberries? <laughs> we don't know. The hell? They're gone. Uh, I need to lay down. So full. So full. There's just a bunch of strawberry stems here. Yeah, that's how they were coming off the tree or whatever it is. Sometimes I worry about this country. So as the date came when the students would be done, the states start fighting over the few migrant workers that there are. Wow. Texas farmers called recruiters from other states pirates 
Farmer Dick Moore said, quote, Wow, what a... I, yeah, you, you better believe you're taking a break. You try to move on. Are you kidding me? You're going to tell me there's a guy named Dick Moore, and you're just like, ah, we'll just keep going. Yeah, you was, better... Yeah, they just put that in the story, and no one said anything about it. But yeah, it was... Well, the, they, they should have. They needed someone like me around to immediately flag it as not okay. Yeah, there's... Hello, I'm Mrs. Dick Moore. Doopie daisy. So Dick Moore said, quote, the California recruiters are the ones going wild. One came down and took the crew leaders and got them drunk, sent trinkets to their wives and all that. Wait, what? So they're literally sending down. They are. So basic. I mean, this is for the this is for migrant workers who are now currently working. They are now valued so highly. Yes. I mean, their existence is just like you're just like, what a turnaround. As like they should I, be. I had to make I had to make my own tent last summer, and now this guy's like, and what other trinkets do you want in your home? Yeah, I mean, this is they're now they're valuable and they are fucking valuable yeah. and they should be valuable. Right, right. But it's still to have gone from no value seemingly no value for years to now suddenly being like, Do you want some Hubble figurines? How about a vase? <laughs> what sort of uh what kind what kind of candy you like? The Croswell Picker Growers Association in Michigan hired ex-migrant crew leaders to go to Texas to recruit workers. Vlasic Foods in Detroit put down a $20,000 deposit with a recruitment agency to bring in 2,000 workers for the pickle harvest. Only 500 came. Wow. In Saginaw, Michigan, teens were brought in to pick cucumbers for pickles. This was the only crop that had been picked using braceros in Michigan. So... Of all the Michigan crops, the only one using braceros is the pickle uh, cucumber crops. Everyone else, all the other ones in Michigan are hiring domestic laborers. So again, this shows you what the fuck is going on. It's just these group of people have decided not to pay as well or treat people as well, and they want to keep doing it. The Detroit... Now, I'm reading this story, and I can't figure out what's going on. The Detroit Free Press is referring to them as stags. Stags. As referring to who? The workers? Yeah, these workers that they're going trying to take from other states. They're, they're, just, call- stags. Okay. they're just calling them stags. Okay. Uh, it's in parentheses, so maybe the farmers are saying that. It's, it was very strange. Quote, the Daily Pickle Company looked forward to the arrival of 240 stags from Kentucky. But that's not how many arrived. The field manager, quote, some of the boys got off the buses at rest stops and never got back on. We lost nine from one bus in the first half hour after they arrived in Saginaw. So they're putting people, they're getting, they're, they're not just, it doesn't sound like they're just getting Migrant workers who are used to working in crops. It sounds like they're just going to places and talking people into working. Right. And then the people realize it's going to be shit before they even get there. And they're just bailing at like rest stops and stuff. So, I mean, it's, I, yeah, I just could. It's just crazy that like you, you are in this position where recruiting just random people. I mean, it's just it's a joke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although Daly brought in Puerto Rican high schoolers who stuck around the entire season. Because you ever heard of a loophole, boys? <laughs> <laughs> I 
Because how are they going to get back? It's an island. They have to fucking yeah. wait until you send them back, you fucks. Ah, uh, horrible. They, uh... Your problem is you got a bunch of student laborers that can walk home. <laughs> of the 240 stags from Kentucky, they ranged in age from teenagers to an old man of 72... One had I'm a... ready. <laughs> I'm ready to go whenever it's time. We're ready to do this. One had a wooden leg and two others were blind in one eye. Just point me in the direction of what we're picking and put my hands on the things each time and I'll be able to do great for you, sir. I'm sorry, which, which one of them did, did this say was going to grab it? So, uh, Your Honor, Judge, whatever your name is, my wood leg is stuck in the mud. All right, look, there's a lot of problems going on, and I understand that, but we're going to fight through it. So just pick. That's all you got to do is pick. I can't. I'm like a pole here. I'm, st- I'm, I'm like pulled. I'm stuck well, in the mud. Well, I don't mud. know what to tell you. Just pick the things around you. Rotate a little bit as you can. I don't understand where I am. That's going to be a major problem, obviously. You're on a farm, so we're going to need you to take some of those things off of there. What are these? That, that's the strawberries. Those are strawberries. Okay, so we're picking these. We're picking them. The, okay, green, so the, grab- green, the green part? No, don't grab the green part. Uh, look, and for those of you who can't see, don't worry about the conversation we're having about the green part. The, just pick. Have you tried these? These are good. Don't eat the goddamn strawberries. I can't eat them. It makes my skin swell. Everything does. I need to lay down. We haven't started working yet, so there'll be no laying down already. Hey, this guy laid down on my peg leg? Why did you come here, I guess is a question. That's a question. I needed a job. Yeah, well, it's probably not the best job for you. Look, I maybe what you can do is maybe hold on to the blind guys and sort of tilt them in the direction of what they should pick. (laughs) Three weeks... Uh, later, of the 240, 26 were left. Hines recruited 130 stags from Mississippi, and only 15 were left. Wow. <clears throat> so Wirtz then ends the West Indian workers who had gone to Florida. He ends their stay in Florida. Okay. The uni- U.S. Attorney General then overrules Wirtz and allows the West Indians to stay longer. Farmers okay. in California plead for Wirtz to allow 23,000 braceros to pick tomatoes in September, he only allows 8,000. In mid-September... That's the beginning of the pizza part. (laughs) In the beginning of September, Congress tries to vote to strip the Labor Department of its foreign labor decision-making power. They're like, let's take this away from words. It fails by by one vote. It's amazing to be like, the Labor Department is no longer in charge of labor. (laughs) For the rest of the year, farmers asked permission to bring in foreign workers, and Wirtz kept denying the request, saying they should pay more to attract domestic workers. He would allow some foreign workers in certain circumstances. Uh, he Over the whole year, he let in 40000 but usually it's like 300000 so it's way fucking less. He's also got to be, like, stressed out of his mind because he's probably already seeing that the farmers are holding pretty strong, that public opinion is really easy to sway, and that, you know, the government is going to be influenced by... And, and, I mean, it's not like people are going like, all right, shit, we'll pay better wages. They're really digging in their heels. Well, so, at the end of the year, there was no food shortage. None of that happened. Right. Crops were picked. 
Right. Farms got by. A lot of them went to mechanized shit. You know, they they brought in things like that. Others clearly went and hired dudes right. who weren't here legally. Um, so nothing changed in the grand scheme of things as far as food and anything else. Everything the farmer said wasn't true. None of that happened. Right, right. By 1966, unauthorized entry was the only way to work in the U.S. So mass exploitation of undocumented migrant workers dawned in the U.S. and obviously continues today. So the the legal program went away, and now the result is much worse working conditions, much more dangerous for them getting into the country. They're still working here. We've just decided to do this. This this country is so good at making you fear trying to make progress because it can so easily be exploited and flipped. Yeah. And so it's like in this situation when you're going, the goal is to make a better condition and situation because of because you lost the leverage battle, you now have no legal option. So it's just, I mean, no, you know, like entering illegally. There's no Bracero program. So you get, like you're saying, I mean, you get rid of the one that, you know, is uh, a compromise. And now you just have the two polarizing ends. That's right. Um, yeah, I'll put up the, there's a really, um, there's a really great... There's a professor who uh, did this video, uh, Dr. Doug Massey. He did a video for the Gravel Institute uh, that explains that explains immigration, uh, the cost, the human cost, and and what making immigration illegal actually does, which is it actually uh, increases problems as opposed to you know, fixing. There's no solutions that are being offered. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm going to, I'll put that at the end and I'll put a link if you want to watch the video. Um, cause it's really, uh, fascinating, but I'll just put up the sound to it. I think it should be totally understandable. Um, so the final thing is the 18 kids would forever have a different understanding of migrant workers. Carter quote, we know the work they do. They do it all their lives, not just one summer for a couple of months. They raise their families on it. Anyone ever talks bad on them, I always think, keep talking, buddy, because I know what the real deal is. Hmm. Right. So he got put, he got put in the, the circumstances that they live in every day of their lives, yeah. and he did it for three months, and he knows how fucking hard it is. And also yeah. what they do for us, which is put food on our table. Well, and if you look at, I mean, look at the treatment during COVID times. Oh. I mean, it's it's crazy. Unions would help. Yeah, that's I why think... everyone's mad at the teachers because the teachers are the first one, ones yeah. who are able to slightly stand up for themselves. Um, it it happens in big cities because those are the bigger unions. They, everyone's like, why do they get to be special? Well, they get to be special because they're one of the few places left with the union. That's why they get to yeah, be special. And, yeah, and unions, yeah. I mean, you you know, like good union representation is what you need. Yeah, but we we need them. Everyone needs to um yeah, support we need, them. We need unions, we need we need organizing for unions. We need everyone needs to organize at their local level whether that's to create a union or a group. 
Well, because we've seen what happens if we don't. It just it's it's necessary. You know, there's a lot of European countries that have like ninety nine percent unions. Uh, mm-hmm. and people are just part of unions, just because you need a counterbalance. And yeah, you know, in this case, it's, we're way past yeah. counterbalance. And you get things. You get things. Yeah, it's good. And it's interesting. Like you know, I think the narrative that everyone buys into is that Americans can't do or won't do that. That um, farm work. I mean, obviously, it's propaganda that's been pushed down our throats for so long. But think about all the backbreaking work that Americans have done and still continue to do. It's it's that, that's that's what our system is. Like it's it's backbreaking, brutal work for tons of people. And then all of a sudden, it comes to farms, and they're like, "Ah, oh, Americans won't do that." Yeah, they would if they were paid enough and treated well enough. Uh, the way it works now is these people from another country have to come in because they have harder lives in their in their country they need the work they need to take care of their families so they come here but uh, honestly it, it's like americans it's just racist to say that it's racist to say only mexicans can do this work it's completely what their bodies work differently like we're all fucking human beings it's yeah. crazy it's a crazy thought but it's it's the thought that everyone has in america that americans won't do that work yeah they will well, I mean, we also just, I mean, this country just has, you know, like such a strong history of, yeah, just doesn't want to pay people. Yeah, I mean, that's treat just them, the bottom line. Treat I mean, people better and they'll do the fucking work. I mean, yeah. that's it. Like, it's hard yeah. work, but there's tons of hard work. But, you know, don't treat them like fucking shit and they'll do the fucking job. Yeah, people do it. Yeah. Very interesting, David. Very interesting. All right. I love you. Bye, buddy. Talk to you soon. Love you. Huh? Miss you, buddy. Where are we going? See you later, pal. Uh, Sources for this episode. uh, The Millennial Source on Medium article, Migrant Labor Made America Great History Behind the U.S.-Mexico Border Crisis. Uh, NPR, when the U.S. government tried to replace migrant farm workers with high schoolers, and then just a ton of um, newspaper articles, which you can go see on our sources page. Gareth, Gareth left. He doesn't care about you or me or anybody else. He just, he just took off. Sorry, I can't hear you. If I could hear you, I would tell people what you're saying, which is I don't care about them. I just I stopped the recording because I don't care. That's what you just said. All right, bye. And now I'm going to play the, uh, this little info piece by uh, Professor Massey from Princeton. It's really good. Uh, give it a listen. It really gave me an interesting perspective on all this. What came first, illegal immigration or the wall? The U.S.-Mexico border is the most militarized border in the world, with the exception of the Korean DMZ. There are over 700 miles of fencing, patrolled by 20,000 Border Patrol agents. Each year, American taxpayers spend over $4.8 billion on Border Patrol and another $8.4 billion on Immigrations and Customs Enforcement. Is our southern border really worth all the money and taxes we're pouring into it? Hello. I'm Dr. Douglas Massey. I'm a professor of sociology and public affairs at Princeton University. I've been the director of the Mexican Migration Project since 1982. I've been collecting real-time data on what's going on at the border, and none of the conclusions I've reached to my knowledge have ever been challenged by anyone. What many Americans might not realize is just how new all of this border security is. In the early years of our republic, there was no firm borderline, only a fuzzy western frontier. As the frontier pushed westward, the border between America and its neighbors continued to be blurred. 
when the southern border was finalized in the mid-1800, it was still soft and porous, an invisible line on a map that ran through the middle of towns and even houses. In the early 1900s, labor shortages led many American farmers to begin recruiting field workers from Mexico. The work was seasonal, though, with workers coming from Mexico for the planting and harvest and then returning to Mexico for the off-seasons. Because they only stayed for the harvest, Mexican workers were not considered immigrants and weren't included in early immigration laws that put quotas on other nations. The U.S. Border Patrol was established in 1924 not to prevent the entry of Mexicans, but to catch Europeans who were trying to get around the quotas at Ellis Island. During the Second World War, the U.S. government actually encouraged migration through a temporary worker program. The Bracero program was created in 1942 and steadily expanded after the war ended. By the late 1950s, it was recruiting around 450,000 Mexicans per year for temporary labor in the United States. Everything changed in 1965 when the Bracero program was ended and numerical limits were put on Mexican immigration for the first time. Almost overnight, Mexico went from having access to around half a million legal visas to less than 20,000 permanent resident visas and no work visas. But the demand for agricultural labor didn't go away. And what was now unauthorized or illegal migration rose to fill the gap left by the end of the Bracero program. Border apprehensions went from 40,000 a year in 1965 to over 1.6 million in 1986. However, these were still seasonal workers and the flow was still circular, with 86% of undocumented workers returning home at the end of the season. In practical terms, little had changed in the Mexican-American migration system. But in symbolic terms, much had changed. For now, the majority of migrants were illegal, and thus, by definition, considered to be criminals and lawbreakers. While the demand for seasonal agricultural work stayed the same, what the government did was criminalize its workers. Reacting to this perceived change, the U.S. government began pouring more and more resources into the Border Patrol. From 1986 to 2010, the number of uniformed Border Patrol officers increased 5.6 times. The agency's budget grew by a factor of 17, and hundreds of miles of walls and fencing were constructed around ports of entry. None of the extra border security did anything to stop border crossings. During the 1970s and 80s, the odds of a migrant being apprehended while crossing the border was about one in three. As more resources were poured into the border patrol, migrants began crossing in more and more remote parts of the border, and the odds of a migrant being apprehended actually went down for a while. The diversion of border crossings into remote areas lowered the odds of apprehension, but it also increased the risk of injury and even death. For in addition to being less populated and less patrolled, these desolate areas were also more dangerous. Between 1993 and 2010, the number of deaths along the border skyrocketed. Coyotes and other smugglers moved in to capitalize on the new black market, and border crossing became much more expensive. In the two decades after 1993, the cost of hiring a coyote to cross the border increased by a factor of 4.6 in real terms. But the biggest impact of increased border security was that for the first time in the history of Mexican-American migration, the movement of migrants stopped being circular, finding it increasingly difficult and dangerous and expensive to move back and forth across the border for seasonal work. Migrants began staying in America during the off-seasons. As men stayed longer north of the border, they were increasingly joined by wives and children, transitioning from a seasonal migrant flow to a permanently settled population. 
In other words, the effect of restrictive immigration and border policies was the creation of an undocumented population. Removing the Bracero program made a traditional migratory system illegal. Building walls in the southern border didn't keep people out, but rather trapped them in. Since 2007, the number of undocumented migrants in the United States has actually declined, not because of the efforts of Border Patrol, but rather because of an unrelated shift in Mexican migration patterns. In the last 15 years, more people have moved from the U.S. to Mexico than from Mexico to the United States. This shift was started by the 2008 recession, but has been continued by a change in Mexico's age demographics. People tend to migrate when they're younger. If they do not move before the age of 30, they're very unlikely to move at all. In the last 50 years, Mexico's fertility rate has dropped from 7.2 children per woman to 2.1 children per woman, and the median age of the Mexican population has gone from 16.7 to 29.3, turning Mexico into an aging country. New undocumented immigrants in recent years have come not from Mexico, but from other countries. Today, most undocumented immigrants enter the United States legally. They enter as tourists and overstay their visas. Border security doesn't affect them. And yet still, to this day, there are calls to increase Border Patrol staffing and to build more barriers and to strengthen our borders. Why? No matter which way you stand on the issue, there are better ways to address undocumented migration than a largely symbolic, totally ineffective, and extremely expensive border wall. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, This is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.